So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, the podcast that takes you Baku into the status quo. Oh, it's not very good, is it? Welcome to For Formula One's Sake, about as accurate as Bernie Eccleston's map of Europe. Azerbaijan is proudly in Europe. I am voting to remain in Azerbaijan. (laughs) I'm Chika Ayers, and today, from the plush confines of the Union Tavern near Paddington, we look back at the European Grand Prix. When we sat down with our friends and family, we thought we were in for one of the best races of the season. It had all the elements of a potentially exciting Grand Prix. It had sun, sea and medieval castles which were pretty much on the track. Loads of drivers were really unhappy with the high risk level of the race. We had inevitable drama and safety cars. We had a host with a dodgy corruption and human rights record. And we had Enrique Iglesias. However, this new flashy and unpredictable street race turned out to be one of the most boring races of all time. Rosberg was always at the front, everyone's strategy depended on loads of safety cars that never came, and Hamilton sounded like an idiot on the radio. We'll discuss these things and more on today's For F1's Sake. With me is a man who spent the weekend in his own personal hell. It's Terry Saunders. Hello. And alongside him is not a motoring journalist called Phil Tromans. He's gone on holiday. So instead, we welcome the microphone, our producer. Hello, Mr. Producer. Hello. Good evening, Nicola. Hello, Terence. Good to see you both. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, could you just be careful with that microphone, Nicola? It just seems so- to be... Don't press it onto the table. Sorry. Let's start with the stories that you've been talking about this week. Listener's Corner. Of course, although we were promised them, we didn't get them. And everyone was asking, where were all the safety cars? And at Neil Cole says, quite simply, at Le Mans. <laughs> <laughs> they all just went out for like a little Sunday drive. It was, it was shocking. The GP2 race was carnage, mm-hmm. and it seems that all the Formula 1 drivers were sat watching it around one of their hotels and just went, oh, do you know what? 
this this looks like it could get it could hurt. Let's let's have a little pact. Let's all go around as slowly as possible. And if we're all going slowly, no one's going to notice that it's slow. It's a little bit like what happened at Canada last weekend because they were all smacking the wall of champions mm. in qualifying. And we thought, oh, this is going to be an absolute state in the race. But then actually, when it came to it, nah, they weren't sliding off. No. We were, they, you know, we were hearing about how the track was going to be blocked. We were going to have... Yeah, what, what happens when someone crashes near the castle? You're going to have to have a red flag. It's like, well, no one crashed near the castle. <laughs> That's what happened. It's like it's like you know you see you know, there's a sign next to the traffic that says accident black spot, and you never see an accident there, do you? <laughs> Maybe they're just uh, the drivers just really care about national heritage, and the castles. Well, I have an issue to take with mm-hmm. the castle area. Is that sign that said "Well done, Baku" on the the advertising hoardings? I thought that was taking the piss a bit. Or they, they, they put that sign there. <laughs> That's like me during this podcast popping up going, we're doing very well, aren't we? <laughs> this is good. Well done, us. I know. It's not their place to say well done, Baku. They should, they should wait they until... But they are doing well, they're, they're They doing... are doing very well. And so, should I say, are both of you. Oh, Cheers. Baku, politically aside, might be doing fantastically. Azerbaijan might be a wonderful place to uh, take your family on holiday. But as a race, it was... Backing, lacking, Baku, Laku. As I was saying that, I thought there's scope for something very funny to happen at the end. <laughs> and I just thought, go with it, it will come. And of course, the other key moment was Hamilton and his argument with the team over the radio about his engine system. Scott Crawford said, I think that the pit to car radio should consist of only two words, pit and park. If the guy getting paid 25 million a year can't work out the buttons, then hard lines. Well, I agree. I think maybe make it simpler is better. Let's make it as simple as possible. But Scott, I'd say, why stop at two words? Why don't you make it two noises? (laughs) You know, we have options and prime tyres. It doesn't make any sense when you go, is the optional the prime? I mean, not anymore because they've got a third tyre compound. I've realised, as I said. But they they always say option and primes. They mean hard and soft. It's ridiculous. Every driver should have his own two noises. It might be a woof and a meow. It might be a honk and a pop. What would Hamilton have? This is lovely. This would be like a parlour game. It would be like a parlour game. It would be (laughs) like Hamilton in the drawing room. And it would be like, uh, right, Lewis, honk. Paloma Flores said, I would like to think he has a general idea what every switch does. How many switches do you reckon there are? I mean, this is based on us knowing really nothing at all. Right, there's about one, two, three, four, five, six, 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 about ten maybe. They've all got dials and mm-hmm. buttons. Now, some of the buttons are buttons, so they're not switches. So I reckon there's four switches, maybe eight. <laughs> <laughs> Each of those switches has got between three and ten settings. I mean, I think basically there are like up to a hundred different settings that can happen, most of which you'll never have to do during the race. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like if I was in that situation... As whenever something I own doesn't work properly, mm-hmm. I go through every setting until it works or it breaks. Now, I mean, giving Hamilton credit, he is driving at like 220 miles an hour. Yeah, but he's not driving 220 miles to... an hour the whole time. <laughs> there's, that, there's that castle bit where it's quite slow. <laughs> and then he, and you don't have to look, you know, he could just be there like, he knows where the, he knows where the switches are, you know. He could just like mm. steer left, switch up, steer right, switch up. But they did tell him in a slightly patronising way to not do that. Which made me think that actually they th- they were trying to say, like, you really should know this. Yeah, it was a bit like, come on, <laughs> I've given you the clue. I said to you, <laughs> you can't do that. Now, the way I emphasize the words, that means switch three on point A. 
Because, you know, Red Bull used to have the whole multi-21 thing, which was just code. And I'm, I'm sure that was a very intricate code that Hamilton hasn't paid any attention to. Could they? Can they do that? They could say, like, the weather's going well. Well, the thing is, they can't... If, if there's any suspicion that they're doing that, mm-hmm. then they'll be hauled up against the FIA. So I reckon what they've done is they've made a code so subtle <laughs> and so complicated that Hamilton's just there going, all right, you tell him, what can you tell me? And they're like, no, we cannot tell you that. <clears throat> I mean, <clears throat> Rosberg got it, but we'll talk about that later. Okay, Giles WB Man uh, said... Can I just say, yeah. it was very droll, Terence, but Paloma does require your respect. Thank you, Paloma, for your question, and uh, we hope you have a good day. Cheers, Paloma. Thanks, Paloma. Giles WB Mann says, what are the rules regarding a steering wheel change? Then, had he needed another stop, they could have swapped steering wheels and then wouldn't have counted as driving aids. Or an engineer could reach into the cockpit and turn the switch. I mean, that's a really good point. That seems very reasonable to me, and I know nothing about the sport. Well, they can change steering wheels. That's happened in the past, where they've come to the pits and they've changed the steering wheels. And and do they get any penalty for that? That's no penalty, because normally it's a faulty steering wheel thing. So whether they could have done it on purpose. Now, whether he needed... I don't think he had to stop again, so that would have cost significant time. Mm. Would it have cost more time than just going slowly? But when when he got his new... When he sorted out the problems, he was one of the fastest on the track. But would the time lost in the pit stop changing the wheel be worse than the time they were going slow? Maybe they worked that out. They probably Giles. Did. Giles, actually. But, um, but if they didn't work that out, you could uh, you could be in with a job there. I think there should have been more code stuff. Uh, you know, the other week I was talking about how I'd read the book about Watergate and the Nixon <laughs> and everything, right? I'm going back to that because there's a very famous scene in the film that really happened where there's one guy who's like, I can't give you this information. And he's like, well, you just tell me yes or no. And he said, I can't tell yes or no. And Dustin Hoffman, in the film, not in real life, (laughs) says, I'm going to count down from 10. And if by the time I get to one, you're still on the phone, that means you say yes. That means means you're agreeing, but you've not said anything. You've just got to be on the phone. So he goes, 10, 9, he gets gets all the way down to one. I'm not going to do it all. And he's still on the phone. And that's how it works. So he's like, oh, God, I've confirmed my source. And I think there's a lot more stuff Lewis could have done. He could have done that. He could have been like, right. If he'd said that on radio and it was recorded and they'd given him clues, would they not have got told off Uh, by the FIA? But are they giving, like in Watergate, are they giving clues (laughs) if he sets, if he frames the parameters very cleverly and says, right, do nothing if I should do this switch. And they're not doing anything. You know, that's a great way of doing it. If he says, if I've got to turn the middle switch to five, say nothing, <laughs> they're saying nothing this and they're a, helping it. a I mean, very long and drawn out game, though. <laughs> I can't do that, Lewis. Because then they'd say, I can't say that, Lewis. And they'd be like, okay, that means yes, I'm wrong. Means okay, six. One. Can't say that, Lewis. Seven. Can't say that, or, Lewis. Eight. <gasps> or oh, God, eight. it could be, you remember the game Guess Who? Yes. Where you say, is it woman? And yeah, then you say, okay, those ones. And then you say, is she wearing glasses? Yep. And they say, yeah. And you think, okay, it's not that one, that one. Could have been like that. Not quite sure how. If he's such the all-round driver, he should be able to play lateral <laughs> thinking puzzle games whilst racing. Could he ask simply what Rosberg is up to at this moment in time? That could work, couldn't it? What settings Rosberg got? Well, Rosberg's got his on five, but that doesn't concern you. Oh, great, it's five. Can they do Could they? At the very least, he would have sped up. He could have won the race or like got a second or something. Mm. And then they could have bashed this out in the, uh, in the stewards afterwards. But he would have got track position. As it stands... 
no amount of hijinks is going to get him a better finishing place. But do you remember last year, Rosberg spent the year being like, what's Hamilton doing? What's he up to? What's he up to? And True. It just doesn't look cool. It's, it's not cool. It's well, not it cool. doesn't look cool going, I can't drive my car. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your questions. Thank you, Neil, Paloma, Giles and Scott. Tell us how wrong we are. You can tweet us at For F1's Sake or find us on Facebook where we're FF1S or you can email us at wrong at FF1S.com. Okay, so now we move on to the teams. Let's start with Mercedes. So in Baku, Rosberg was at one with his car, while, as we said, Hamilton forgot how to drive his. We heard the Mercedes team blood pressure rising while they dealt with a toddler driving their car. Come on, Lewis, think about which button you need to press. No, not all the buttons. Anyway, 40 laps in, Hamilton control out deleted and was back on track. Too late to get anywhere near the podium or Perez for that matter. Rosberg was miles ahead all the way through and has extended his lead to 24 points. And in case you're wondering, Rosberg had the same engine setting problem as Hamilton and yes, he fixed it straight away. So how did Hamilton get it so wrong? Uh, according to Edward Kravitz uh, uh, on Sky, Ooh. Uh, he did one fast lap, then cooked the tyres. No <laughs> idea what that means. It's a colloquialism. Am I to understand that this track had never been used before? This track wasn't even a track before. This track was just a town. I've also done some research and found that there are a distinct lack of runoffs. Runoffs. Yes. It would be difficult to find as you went round, but I believe Hamilton found them all in qualifying. Hamilton on qualifying. Good joke there as well. That's good. good. Uh, (laughs) Hamilton in qualifying was rubbish. I, I've got a sneaking suspicion that Nicole Scherzinger sent him a text just reckon? before qualifying. And I went, Because um, in practice, he was really good. So was it wasn't top. the track. I think, I think she went, look, it's over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going back out with you. Right before qualifying. And she timed it just so it would fuck him up. And it fucked him up. That's what I think. But they haven't been going out for over a year. Yeah, but we don't know. You know, we follow his Instagram and he's kind of out partying that. But, you know, Instagram is, you show off your good side. You don't show off, oh God, I'm crying at home, wanking to a copy of FHA with my (laughs) ex-girlfriend on the cover. Terrence. It's true. (laughs) This is true. There was something out of character with how shit he was. He was uncommonly Mm. shit. And he went back to his sort of old stroppy self and into yeah. his afters. He wasn't, for a while, he's been kind of cool about it. Yeah. But this whatever, one. Whatever something fucks up, he's been going, you know, it's just the way it goes. You know, everything's kind of cool. We don't worry about it. But, you know, I, I can cope. We'll live, live another day. And this time he's like, God, everything's shit. I don't know why I, don't, I don't know why I drive shit. What are you asking me for? Stop hassling me. <laughs> uh, but it was also, um, people were kicking up a right fuss about the safety of the track beforehand. Like you said, not enough runoffs. Um, it was. It's one of the fastest street tracks on the calendar it's one of the fastest tracks on the calendar they, they've hit the top speed ever in Formula 1 this weekend which is mental but that's only because there's a stupid long straight mm. Formula 1 needs to be safe we know that we shouldn't have injuries or deaths in Formula 1 if we can help it but that doesn't stop some of the drivers being a bunch of crybaby wusses going oh it looks a bit dangerous I don't want to do it whatever, whatever scrape my knee it's like <laughs> do you know what do it and then moan about it. And actually what happened, and I, th- I do strongly think that they were all so convinced it was going to be dangerous, they didn't go very fast in the race. Do you reckon? I think, yeah. Because it was, it was Button, wasn't it? Yeah, oh, Button m- moaning like anything. 
He's, he's going to retire soon. So he doesn't want to <laughs> have a broken leg or anything. But I just... Do you have to do it in public? I mean, yeah, moan to, your, moan to the FIA and say this is dangerous. But don't come out on the teddy going, oh, I'm on grandstand and it's dangerous. No. Stupid. Shut up. Oh, Rosberg did well, though. Yeah, did he, though? He always does that. If he's in front and nobody's bothering him, he's absolutely fine. That's if anyone came and just gave him a little pester... It's true, flustered. but that, that is what Vettel was always like in the Red Bull. If he could get out in the lead, he'd win. There's a truth in... Now, I'm going to make out the Formula One's easy here. It's obviously <laughs> not. But I mean, Terry hasn't passed his driving test. Just Restarting my lessons next Thursday. Oh. So, swallow that one, because I will be in Formula One by the year it is out. I'm going for Kvyat seat. <laughs> I'm not saying it's easy, but I do think that... If you're leading a race, it's pretty easy comparatively to not leading a race. So I think if you're in the lead, you can just sod off and it's fine. And I think Rosberg's very good at that. I think Rosberg's... Is he an only child? I don't know. I'm an only Definitely. child and he seems like an only child. Like <laughs> He can play on his own very well. He hasn't learned to share. He gets very annoyed when he loses, but it's a bit over cocky when he wins. And I, think, I recognise all these traits. And I think he's, he's never happier than he's just on his... Like, he's got an Xbox in his case, and you can do online gaming. And I bet he hasn't got it plugged into the internet. I bet he's just there going, no, why would I want to fight against anyone? So he's doing that, and he's off, he's off in the lead. Mm. And I bet his parents, when, they, when he was young, and they're going, oh, isn't he a bit weird? He's just out there playing on his own. Oh, he likes it like that. It's weird, <laughs> isn't it? And I can tell you who else is there, an only child. <coughs> who? Ilham Aliyev. The president of, of the glorious of ruler Azerbaijan. of Azerbaijan. Oh, now, is he an only child Do you know because that? he was an only child? Or did he have his brothers and sisters killed <laughs> so he'd be king? <laughs> okay, can we make a note to cut that reference? Nah, leave it in. And I think my favourite moment of Rosberg's race was when they went at the end to the little pre-podium room, the really awkward bit where they're all sort of, you know, going, mm, well mm. done. And um, yes, yes. and uh, Vettel and Perez were all, you know, good work, mate. And it was uh, all a bit of fun there. And uh, Rosberg clearly on the outside. He wasn't welcome in that group. And then he managed to flick himself in the eye with his earpiece. <laughs> and God, did he milk it. He was just there. I've watched that video so many times today. Because he just kind of, he holds like a, the brow above his eye. And then he checks And he checks hand. like he's not bleeding. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure there's a moment where, because I think what I think what goes through his head as being a bullied child, I'd imagine, mm. is that he's thinking, "Who the fuck just hit me? <laughs> oh my god, someone hit me! Uh, how do I react to this? I gotta be, I gotta, I gotta react mm. properly to this." Then he goes, "Oh god, am I bleeding?" And it's like, "Oh no, you've just flicked yourself with a tiny bit of rope. You've just been flying a car around at 240 miles an hour, and now you just flicked yourself with your hair." <laughs> Oh, God, don't hurt me. I'd say anything you want. Yes, Lewis, you're the best. And speaking of uh, flying cars, did you see what the trophy was? A flying carpet. A flying carpet. That's culturally insensitive, isn't it? I think we should move on to Ferrari on that note. We learn a lot about Ferrari in Azerbaijan. I mean, Europe. Primarily that they've lost control of their drivers. Uh, Raikkonen spent the race slagging off Ferrari's strategy and refusing to obey it. Um, so I'm 99% sure that Vettel is now totally in control of team strategy. And I'm also 100% sure that we won't be seeing Raikkonen there next year. What would have happened if Vettel had pitted when the team told him to at the beginning of the race? And do you reckon this is Raikkonen's last year with the Ferrari? That goes to both of you. I think that Vettel was right to ignore his teammates as long as there are no further questions. <laughs> okay. Uh, I think... 
those two are just a little bit too moody. They're cheeky, aren't they? What's going on? Well, I think after last week, Vettel, I mean, he's like, mate, you've got it wrong. I can do whatever I like. Yeah, but then they should have they should have made him come in. They should have but if, but if they had, he would have he would have lost. He wouldn't have come yeah, in they in second. Gotta, they can't have him going rogue like yeah, but that. If he if this happened again on this race, then that would have been it. Don't care. No, you've got to respect the what they should have done is after that gone, Vettel, you've got a puncture, come in this lap. And then when he comes in, have him just stood there going, Fuck you <laughs> <laughs> and make him drive round again and going, Don't you ever question us, Sonny Jim. Don't you ever question us and then there'll be like a He'll just wake up and there's going to be blood everywhere. Or, I don't know. Okay. And what about Raikkonen? Because the things he said over the radio, I think I want maybe engraved into my wall. I think he will be there next year, though. It Do seems, you reckon? It seems impossible that he's going to mm. keep his drive because he's been a bit lacklustre. But I think that's what they want. They don't want a Verstappen or a someone. Current. Ferrari are very good at having good driver, shit driver. And normally the shit driver isn't a former world champion for that team. But... I think they're going to be pretty happy keeping him there. You know, he can pretty much do the job. He gets kind of like fourth or fifth, and that's fine. Okay, so what did you think of his um, penalty he got for four wheels over the line into the pits? I thought it was really unfair. Yeah. Because, okay, maybe they kept saying, don't go into the pit. If you go in the pit lane, you've got to stay in the pit lane. But he was clearly following the car back to overtake, and he was, that just seemed stupid. So they gave him a, a five-second penalty... And to add insult to injury, they made him pay 5p for that plastic bag he was carrying around. <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of litter on that track. There was also a, um, a drain cover as well that came off. Yeah, like in Monaco. Do mm. so you think they'd have been extra wary of drain covers after Monaco? Didn't it destroy part of Bottas's car? Was it Bottas? I think I it was Bottas. And someone broke their toe. Someone broke their toe? From who? Salba. Did they? Oh, I heard that. Team, yes. Someone tripped over a mm. thing. It was, he got run over. So, as we said, Raikkonen was pretty horrible over the radio and I really just wanted to borrow you Terry and your excellent impression skills for just one sentence okay one of my favorite so just as Vettel was overtaking and um Raikkonen was told to to move aside he said uh now you tell him to oh hang on what is he again he's Finnish Finish, yeah. so what's Finnish <laughs> yeah. now you tell him to push I don't want him in front of me <laughs> so no, I, just... that, I mean that was a Italian, let's be honest. I thought it was more Mexican, Did but you? no, I don't know. Impersonation. Impersonation. You said impression, and it's impersonation. Is it? What's the difference? One is an abstract art form, the other is an impersonation. I would say that's more of an abstract art form. I agree. <laughs> okay, let's go on to Williams. Williams really struggling to remember what they did at the race to be honest I think Bottas nearly overtook Verstappen but then didn't and of course these guys do really good pit stops but that is really all I got from it they got their pit stop down to like under two seconds which is so impressive it's so impressive it's so impressive it's almost not impressive do you know what I mean it's like alright stop focusing on the pit stops yeah yeah. we get it you've got quick pit stops Mm -hmm. You can't win a race with stupid... I mean, you can win a race with quick pit stops if your car is closely matched to the other cars, but the only way that they can have a quick pit stop to win a race would be if their pit stops happen in minus figures. If they could be back on a track seven seconds before they went into the pits, mm-hmm. then that's an impressive pit stop that they can shout about. Until they've worked out quantum and nanotechnology, stop it. But what's happened? Because last week we were all saying, look at Bottas, and now he's... Uh, 
what was he, seventh? Williams have got this thing where they go, we're going to doggedly stick to our way, we're going to be have a car that's good on some tracks and shit at all the others, and Canada's just a good track for them. The rather excitable chaps on Five Live were mm. talking about how the strategies to do with one pit stop versus two pit stops. Yeah. Yes. It means less choice of tyre, because you're on two types of tyre as opposed to three, presumably. Yes. So you have to be good at pitting, which yes. Williams mm-hmm. are, mm-hmm. but they decided to only pit once, even though they're really good at it. <laughs> it's a good point. They are so good at it, you think they'd be showing off a bit. Like, <laughs> we're just going to pit every lap. But a pit does slow them down quite a lot. Yes. So Even a quick pit stop is slower than no pit stop. Would it be quicker to have one pit stop, but so have the same tyres for longer? That's a good question. Mm-hmm. That actually is a good question. Yeah. Now, the because the, well, 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 we had an well. example in the race. Actually, it was Harianto did a zero stop. Um, he did one stop right at the beginning, but but they were waiting for a safety car. So they kept being like, "Hold on to your tires," and he was driving around on these like shredded bits of rubber. And they were like, "Wait for it. There's going to be a safety car." And when the safety car comes in, because they all slow down, a pit stop doesn't really matter. Yes. So it just doesn't not as slow because you're not really going to lose as many places. So the the fact that there was no safety car meant that by the end he was barely just just driving around on wheels. They gambled on something happening. They were driving happen. round on wheels. You can yes. quote me if you want. In other news, Williams clocked the highest top speed of a Formula One car ever in an official Formula One session. Really. 378 kilometers per hour, which is approximately 234.9 miles an hour. That's very good, isn't it? It's very quick. Can Uh, we move on to Red Bull, please, um, Nicola? Okay, right, okay, so Red Bull. Now, usually I give reasons why um, you would want to be Verstappen or you would want to be Ricardo, but I think this weekend we've got to say, here's why you wouldn't want to be driving for Red Bull. So in Azerbaijan, Ricardo announced on Friday that this was going to be the race of the season. Oh, which always gets embarrassing because it really wasn't the race of the season. I mean, it was a race in a season. You're right, you're right. But good God, it won't go down in history, will it? Things were going well. So they tried some soft tyres. That didn't work. So then they tried some medium tyres. They were all right. And then both drivers got caught daydreaming. Did feel like they had some deal with Pirelli saying, if you don't use all your tyres, we're not going to get your deposit back. Because they were just whipping through every type of tyre. But their softs were fine, so why did they change the mediums? They must have had some weird problem because mm. no one else used the mediums. Like the mediums were just sat in a. T- the guy who drove the medium truck was just there going, I shouldn't, I, I, could have, I could have had the weekend off. I don't know why I'm bloody here. Which ones did they not have the other week when the tyres were in the wrong part of the. Well, they were trying to get right. So there are there are six, five tires, mm-hmm. six tires, ultra soft, super soft, soft, medium, medium. dry. No, no intermediate. No, they're all dry. Intermediate, <laughs> wet, wet. There's no hard tires. It's like when you go into Starbucks and you say, "Can I have a small coffee?" And they say, "Oh, did you mean not quite as grand, big?" You know, a small coffee. No, you mean... Grande, super grande, grande. Grande, grande, grande. Yeah. <laughs> Ariara, grande. I don't go to Starbucks. Nor do I. <laughs> I go to a hipster roastery. Mm, <laughs> Jesus Christ, we've seen dead in Starbucks. Sorry, Unless like Starbucks want to sponsor the show, then um, I will <laughs> use their coffee as some kind of um, enema. We all thought he was going to say enema. <laughs> and then he said enema. <laughs> 
in a job I did previously mm. to uh, a year or so ago, um, the big boss of the guitar company I was working for, as a kind of thank you for the work we were doing, came and brought us all a coffee, and it was a Starbucks coffee, and everyone was just like, fucking hell, he never even speaks to us, that's amazing. And I just, I couldn't drink it, it was so disgusting. Really? I haven't drunk a Starbucks so actually, in years. W- did you try it, or were you just being snobby? No, I tried it, and mm-hmm. it was actually disgusting. So, Force India. Last week, I described Force India's performance in Canada as good, adequate, and fair. However, this week, I would like to describe it as actually bloody brilliant. Perez drove amazingly, despite his five-place grid penalty, drove past with his finger up at top drivers into third place. Now, what did you think of Perez's performance? And why is he so much better this week? I can't believe what they did force India this week I, I think it's disgusting and why and I don't care what you got on the podium because they murdered they're murderers oh god it's about the bird isn't it right <laughs> have you seen the clip yet have you, have you seen the bit I'm talking no, about right no. <laughs> laps right go to channel4.com slash watch the race now one hour three minutes and 46 seconds now Karun Chandok is speaking force India's come around the corner and in the in the lower right hand side of the screen there are two green birds frolicking on the track and they're beautiful they look like kind of disney birds you know that cinderella would like pick up and they fly in her hand and sing a little song and be like oh it's so wonderful being in azerbaijan for the grand prix this is gonna do so much good for our country and then Holgerberg comes round, the little bird pounces into his path and is obliterated. He's fucking murdered in cold blood. No one mentions it. The commentators don't see it. No one on Twitter is talking about it. I, I, you, I've shown you the clip, but you can't see it. Okay. I, it's definitely there. Terry, this is one of the most exciting moments of the season, and we are talking about two birds that only you, you saw on the bottom right of the screen. Hey, what's the most exciting moment of the season? Perez coming in Fuck third. Perez. <laughs> Also, he didn't run the birds over, allegedly. It was Holkenberg, so we can still celebrate his oh, performance. Oh, OK, all right, yeah. Oh, Perez did well. Happy? <laughs> he appeared to be everyone's man of the match just for overtaking a few people. Is that a correct reading of the situation? Look, he's good, and he's obviously doing well, and he got shafted by McLaren. And his car's not very good, and, well and done. he still drove really well. He did well. He got second on the grid before his pen. I mean, what, great, good stuff. Hamilton was miles behind him, couldn't catch up, and this is a force India. But we know Hamilton had problems with his yeah, sticky yeah, yeah. shift. But so. no, but he was back on by that time. So Hulkenberg, killer. Hulken, I mean, to be fair, I don't... Hulkenberg, <laughs> killing bird. I mean, I didn't really notice much he did this race, but I did quite enjoy a bit he did in Q2. It was a checker flag. And then he said to the team, you didn't tell me I didn't have time for another lap. And there was this really long silence. And then they said, we did. (laughs) 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 Okay, let's talk about McLaren. McLaren had a truly shit weekend, but they came to Azerbaijan fully prepared for that. Alonso was told to retire because of a gearbox issue, but he was never going to get points anyway. Button was just outside the points, but he told us he really enjoyed the race. So all in all, not great, but apparently they definitely will be in the top 10 in Austria. When will these guys give it a break? Too right. Too right. These guys for too long have been undervalued by the F1 community. 
we've really given them a chance. <laughs> we've really tried. Yeah. We have really tried to let them get into the top 10 of their own accord and they have let us down every time. In our Fantasy Formula 1, I have reliably put both McLarens at the bottom end of the top 10 in every race. And a couple of times they've made it, fair play. But if you were to have tied your mortgage to McLaren's predictions of where they'd be in the race, you'd be out on the street by now. Absolutely. Luckily, my bank doesn't offer that facility, <laughs> or I'd be out on the street by now. <laughs> no, I don't know why that they just keep telling us if that was an absolute embarrassment of a weekend. And Alonso's the ambassador for the Azerbaijan Grand Prix, which I've never heard as a position before. Oh, really? But it means he's been up there. He's been up, he's been there for a few weeks, lording it up in Azerbaijan, going, <laughs> "Oh well, wait till our cars get here. I am I am king to these people. I will come across the magic line first. <laughs> I don't know, am I making Azerbaijan sound a bit backwards? <laughs> he was probably observing the marvellous southern gas corridor that's being constructed through their marvellous nation. To be honest, after a weekend of uh, only vegetarian chili con carne, I had quite a gas <laughs> corridor in my house last oh, night. Oh, terrible. Sorry, <laughs> please. Now let's talk about Haas. 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 So Gutierrez started off well by smacking straight into Hulkenberg. Good, well he deserved it for killing that bird. <laughs> Grosjean got rubbish in his radiators and then they ran out of tyres. Do we need to stop saying that Haas are having a bad day and just admit that they're just not as good as we thought? Basically, the last few races, they've been coming at the kind of position we expected them to be in when they started. Those first few races, they just got beginner's luck. Beginner's luck. They were like the guy in a casino that's like, oh, I've never tried gambling before. Oh, I put it on four and four comes up. Oh, I put it on nine. Nine comes up. All right, everybody, I'm going to put everything I own on seven. Oh, it's 12. What game is this? Casino. Casino. Yeah. Gutierrez seemed like he was doing all right at first. And he, I mean, in the qualifying, he seemed like he was going to beat Grosjean at one point, And then... He didn't. He was just pottering been, around at the back. Not Gutierrez a lot has been very done. disappointing. He's like a Ferrari Academy driver. He had his chance to one a few years ago in like I think it was Sabre drove for, wasn't it? And then he's come back. You very rarely get a second chance in everyone. Mm. He's come back and he's just been meh. Meh. What would Philip say about Grosjean? Philip, if Philip was here right now, God bless him, he would say Grosjean finished thirteenth, qualified eleventh. Gutierrez finished sixteenth, qualified fifteenth. Because he always reads that bit out. Yeah. <laughs> and then halfway through what he was saying, I'd interrupt him. Right, Renault. I haven't actually written anything for Renault. Palmer is... I think he's going the way of Kvyat. I think he's going to get demoted before the season's out. Is there anyone that could immediately take his place? <laughs> um, anybody. I mean, <laughs> you can give it a go if you want. He's been rubbish. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, this is better than they have been doing. The thing, thing with Renault this week is they've got the Renault engine, obviously, mm-hmm. which is a bit shit. But Red Bull have masked the slight... I mean, it's better than it was, but it's still a bit shit. But Red Bull have got an amazing chassis, so they've masked the shit engine. Renault have got the shit engine and a shit chassis. And they qualified plum last. They finished 14th and 15th, which was pretty much last. But remember that Magnussen had a five-place grid penalty. So that's actually not that bad. I know, but still... Okay, it wasn't great, but they at least they finished, unlike Toro Rosso. Ouch! Oh, now things were looking good. Kvyat in particular had a really good qualifying, and then when it came to the race, Verstappen flew past him in one of the first laps, like, I'm on the good team you used to be in. Anyway, the suspension was off for both of them, and then these guys didn't stand a chance. This was the team's first all-DNF since last year's British Grand Prix. So the cars were off, 
But what did you think of the drivers in Baku? Psychologically, and I think there's a lot to be said for the psychology of Formula One drivers, Mm -hmm. because I believe that actually, we talk about virtual reality coming in and everything. If we could get probes into their brains, they could be like an inset camera of what they're thinking right now. A, that'd be amazing in many walks of life, not just Formula One. But I think Kvyat is just broken. He's trying his hardest. Shadow of a man. He seems to keep just getting in the lead of signs. And then it's like he can't deal with the success. And he's like, I'm just going to get fired again. And he just fucks up. Okay, what, what's in Sainz's head then? Sainz's head is just like going, he's just got this rage of just like, <laughs> why the hell has Verstappen got promoted ahead of me? I'm better than him. I've got, my dad's more famous than his dad. Like, Jos Verstappen was rubbish. Jos Verstappen was the one that got caught in a fire bit and he had his visor open when he was in a fire. What an idiot. Carlos Sainz Senior is like a world rally champion. So I reckon he's just there going, this is unfair, this is unfair. And both of them, therefore, willed their suspension to fail. Think it could ruin their careers? I, I, seriously, I think Toro Rosso is a toxic team that mm. you either get out and become Vettel or Verstappen, mm-hmm. or you kind of just fester in your yeah. own fetid failures and you go to Formula E. For one season? I don't think people stay there very long. Yeah, one or two seasons maximum, mm-hmm. and then you're just gone. You're, gone. you're out of okay. Formula One, and no one else will touch you because mm-hmm. they're like, oh God, he's, he's slept with Toro Rosso. I don't want to. I mean, a few weeks ago, we were saying that Sainz is... He's minutes away from Red Bull. Yeah, but now Red Bull have locked themselves in with Max Verstappen. Mm-hmm. Unless Ricardo is so pissed off he leaves. Like, I reckon Sainz is actually probably going into the Red Bull. He's probably got a pass that gets him into the Red Bull motorhome. Yeah. And he's just whispering through Ricardo's <laughs> door, just like going... Oh, Ricardo, yeah, oh, yeah, we really hate Ricardo. Oh, God, what a dick, what a dick. <laughs> and like, oh, God, he's just rubbish, isn't he? Oh, did you hear the way you talked about him? Oh, God, he's just... I mean, he's smart so he's all the time. He's psychologically crushing him. Yeah. This is so complex. And then Ricardo will walk out and then yeah. Sainz get the job. Now, that okay. is the kind of behind-the-scenes one-on-one <laughs> footage I would pay to see, Sky. Anyway, right, Manor. So, Manor were true believers in the safety car strategy this weekend. We had to watch Paul Harianto drive round with his shredded softs on um, while the team promised him to wait for it. It never came, and he was the slowest car on track. Verline did well in qualifying and he was actually one of the fastest of the ones out in Q1, faster than Button, um, but he did have to pull up with broken brakes. I think these guys could put in a good performance in one of the upcoming races. What do you reckon, please? No. Yes. Okay, interesting. Why? Mm. Okay. I think... <laughs> I'm surprised they're actually still quite as low down as they are. Mm-hmm. I think the engine's good, the, the car's a bit boring, but it's got the basics... I mean, they had the best engine on a track with the longest straight in, ever in Formula 1, so they were going to do quite well. I think the next time we're at a fast track, like Monza or something, I think they might have a chance. How long till Monza? August. It's definitely this year. Okay, so you but reckon... it hasn't happened yet. So we're, so we're not going to see a really good performance from them until we get to a fast track? I think, if they, especially if they have some updates on the way, I reckon they can leapfrog Sauber and Renault at specific tracks. Interesting. Okay. Have they any? Have they said about any updates or? No. Okay. And finally, let's talk about Sauber. It wasn't great. I mean, they haven't ended their string of pointless races, but still, all right. Naz's twelfth was his best result this season, um, but Ericsson did have tyre problems. Are they ever going to get points? No. All of which takes us to the standings. Terence. All right, we have to do my job. Okay, the standings. 
in first place of the driver standings is I won a race, I hit myself in the face with 141 points. Second place is I'm just trying to get Radio 1 Extra, what button do I press? Third place is Bag for Life with 96 points. Fourth place is I don't want to look at his ass with 81 points. Fifth is number one driver again, yay! Sixth is I haven't read anything from Max Verstappen, 54 points. Seventh is fastest driver ever, yet somehow not the best with 52 points. Eighth is you've got to twist the bottle, not the cork. He's learnt a lot from his podiums. Ninth is <laughs> if I was a horse, you'd have shot me by now with 38 points. Tenth is slice up, not across to end this season. Eleventh is I preferred the start of the season. Twelfth with 18 points is I killed a bird and I like it. Thirteenth is I'm a brand ambassador of a really dull race. What does that say about me? Fourteenth is Sainz again. Fifteenth, what's that at the back of the grid? Is it a Renault? Yes. 16th, I'm not going to talk about next year because I'm fucking fucked with five points. And 17th is Stoffel Ruffle. And the Constructors, as sang by Janice Joplin. Oh Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? In first place, return 58 points. My friends drive Ferraris. 177 points, second place. I must make... Amens to Ricardo, 140 points. Fourth place, a Williams hard all my lifetime. Fifth, no help from Perez. Sixth, friends tossed. Seventh, we used to have them. Eighth, Haas. Ninth, Mercedes Benz. A Renault actually. <laughs> that was very impressive. Thank you very much. That took all of my life. Now we have a welcome return after a week's break. It is Terry with the State of F1. In my late teens and early 20s, I smoked. I don't regret it. I looked cool. I had a leather jacket and fuzzy bum fluff goatee and everything. But when it came to choosing brands, I quickly did a tour of the Formula 1 sponsors before settling on the Red Marlborough. I'm susceptible. You wouldn't see me with a Super King or a Stuyvesant. I even once bought a packet of Winfield, for fuck's sake. On the whole, you can't get killed by smoke driving. Asterix, yes, I know you can get killed by passive smoking or dropping a lit fag on your crotch and crashing into a school playground or just dying of lung cancer whilst at the wheel. But as the mix goes, smoke driving isn't really a thing. But tobacco advertising is gone and I no longer smoke. I'm not saying there's a connection, but mm, this Heineken is really nice. (laughs) Eurocare, the weirdest named anti-alcohol lobby group, uh, I mean, were they drunk when they came up with that name? Anyway, they raise the obvious connection that drinking and driving are at best awkward companions at a dinner table. Last week when we were watching the Canadian Grand Prix, my wife, who's not a huge fan of Formula One, not me of her, or, or her of me, I hope, why, what did she say? Why, this Heineken's nice. When she saw Heineken banners all over the telly, she made the obvious connection that actually advertising drink and driving is bad. Even if Heineken are doing everything they can to counteract this with big signs saying, drink Heineken, but don't drink Heineken if you're driving, or don't drive. In fact, it would be better for us for you not to drive and still drink Heineken. (laughs) A flaw with this flaw is that the advertising at Grand Prix isn't aimed at the people driving the race. If it was, there'd just be a shitload more adverts for offshore accountancy services and driver managers. Fernando Alonso, no matter how depressed in his McLaren, isn't like to put into the pits and demand a Johnny Walker, even if he is a brand ambassador. Those days are gone. 
But drink driving is bad, and whilst Fallen One does a sterling job at avoiding human rights issues, tax evasion, bribery, and even terrorism, will it be able to bat away this killer? Possibly not, especially when the head of the FIA belligerently leads a road safety campaign, but since when did a conflict of interest ever stand between a white man and his money? <laughs> but don't worry, I have a solution. Formula One is too complicated, devious and criminal to actively tackle this, so the only other option is to deal with drink driving as a whole. It's far simpler. I propose removing all alcohol from drinks, but don't tell anyone. I reckon peer pressure and muscle memory will mean people wouldn't even notice for six months. They'd still get merry and snoggy and fighty, but be amazed at how hungover they aren't in the morning. And in the time before people notice, we can legislate with my second prong of attack, drinking licences. You can only drink if you've taken and passed both a theory and a practical test, but you can't hold a drinking and driving licence at the same time. You have to choose, so you can either drink or you can drive. Perfect. End of No One Dies. It's flawless. Thank you. Did you know that in Azerbaijan, <laughs> uh, Tony Blair does a lot of PR for the country of Azerbaijan, and um, uh, well, he you. went round a uh, methanol factory just to observe their product, which is methanol, which is much better than alcohol for a country like Azerbaijan, where the majority of the citizens are, I think, 98% Muslim and are, at the moment, respectively, observing Ramadan. So I think they would be in agreement with this. Good. I'm with Tony Blair. Shit. So that's it from us. It is goodbye to our producer. Uh, yes, thank you, Nicola. Uh, we <laughs> haven't had time to talk today about your uh, starring role on another podcast. <laughs> Would you like to tell us about you that? You traitor, what have you been doing? Well, I was specifically asked, I wasn't, we were all asked, and I was the only one that replied to the email, um, to feature on the Australian Formula One Strategy Report podcast um, as a guest to the presenter, Michael. So I did that at lunchtime and um, I discovered that he was asking a lot of questions about the track and the tyres and strategy and I realised <laughs> that the only thing we really cover in this podcast is just bitching about drivers, isn't it? And it's goodbye to Terry Saunders. The fantasy Formula One, we haven't had time to talk about that, which is a shame because Phil in his absence has uh, slipped from second to third in the inter-championship. Just a thought yeah. of second to third out of us, yeah. not the whole lot. No, someone else is still in the lead. Okay. I don't reckon Phil did it because he's on holiday. You've <laughs> met Phil. He'll have done it. Yeah, you're right. He'll, he'll have done it. <laughs> uh, we'll be back in two weeks for the Austrian Grand Prix. Until then, don't forget to rate us on iTunes. Tell all your mates about the show and please go and help us find more listeners. I've been Chikarez. Goodbye. Goodbye. Ow, what was that on my face? Sports Social Podcast Network.